You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Well, shit got real. We've used end of an era a couple of times with this team, I think, but this time feels a little more substantial. This is Caro. How on earth are you tonight, Vardy? Uh, would you be mad at me if I said that I'm okay? <laughs> like, I'm, like, shockingly okay? No, I wouldn't be mad because that sounds... Very healthy. (laughs) I'm mostly okay too. And I, you know, we'll, we'll go through the seven stages of grief here or whatever it is, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think we're, we didn't do an emergency pod or anything like that, even though we talked about it, we wanted the trade deadline to end. Uh, But, you know, if you're listening to hear us talk about, I don't know, some games, we will, but I think, we would be remiss if we didn't cover the Jonathan Quick trade right out of the gate. Kings trade Jonathan Quick to Columbus for Jonas Corposalo and Vladislav Gavrikov with Quick goes a first round and a third round pick. Mm-hmm. And before we get into what we think about the trade, I'd like to ask you your initial reaction to the trade because I think those two things are very different with this type of trade. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um so shock that they actually traded him certainly is is the common reaction um but not shocked that he was traded does that make sense no okay let me clarify that that's good that's okay i appreciate the honesty uh shock so if it was anyone else he would have been traded or or sent down or just basically like you know relegated from the team a long time ago he held his position uh maybe not last season last season i think he was he was decent and i think he gave you know solid signs that he was going to end up being at least serviceable as a backup but this season especially with how poorly the goaltending has kind of let the team down any other goaltender would have been gone a long time ago. Cal Peterson, he of the famed three-year, $15 million contract, has been in the AHL for way longer than I think anyone anticipated he would be. Um, So I guess what I'm saying is there was plenty of reasons to trade him, but the one main reason why we all assumed that it would never happen was because it was Jonathan Quick and he had never really asked for a trade the way Patrick Kane, for example, had. Uh, but I'm impressed that they moved him. I'm impressed that he was somehow considered semi-valuable in a way that like that they could then turn around and flip. Because Columbus sent him to Vegas shortly afterwards. But I'm not shocked because I guess... Like a lot of people were were shocked that it finally happened, but I, I had already kind of made peace with it in my head that he was not he was not gonna play unless they absolutely needed him to play and that he was going to be gone in the off season. Yeah. So from that regard, when they when they traded him, I was like, damn, okay. But I wasn't like 
heartbroken, you know, watching quick highlights, listening to Sarah McLaughlin and then whatnot. Like that wasn't, I was like, all right, cool. Hope he gets to play somewhere. And now he is. He got to win tonight. Classic, classic John, 22-23 Jonathan Quick kind of win. Looks solid at points in time and then just lets in one after another and needs the team to get to get that fourth goal to bail him out. Cold-blooded, man. Okay, so... I'm, found... I'm, a, I'm cold-blooded, baby. I don't care. This, this shit's business. No, and uh, I got there. But I guess initially... Well, here's the thing. I, I wasn't entirely sure at that moment in time if he was planning on returning next season. That was a big part of my negative reaction to the trade initially. Um, negative being, it wasn't like, F Blake, like, what are you doing? It wasn't negative like that, but I, it was more like it felt a little dirty, just a little dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt a little like, uh, you know, like, I get it, but mm, that's a little... I went and I went down the hockey rabbit hole of like, what is this going to do? What kind of message does it send to your team and um, to your locker room and all this stuff? And really those feelings of like that dirty feeling is about an hour or two, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because once, once that wears off and you look at what's being, what's been moved so far in the deadline and for who some of the returns Quick, a first and a third for those two players is an insanely good trade for the Kings. There is no way anyone can convince me otherwise. Yeah, In terms of value, like two years ago, both those guys would have gotten a first because the market was a little crazier uh, in terms of flipping draft picks. They're both pure rentals. That's the only part of the actual trade that I was like, well, if you can't retain both of them, that's gonna. That's not great, mm-hmm. but I I firmly believe the Kings will retain one of them, mm-hmm. at the very least. Um. So, once the shock and the pain or whatever and the sadness wears off, which apparently still hasn't worn off for like thousands of people, which it's a little extreme in my opinion. Um. But I will say this, and I will say why I reacted like that first and foremost is because of that Frank's. Frank Saravalli tweet hmm. that came out where he said to say that Jonathan Quick is unhappy would be an understatement. Yeah. I didn't really need that tweet to kind of know yeah. that he's probably not happy. But at the same time, like people took that tweet and ran with it. Like, how could you do this to our legend, et cetera, et cetera, everything he's done, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly after that, I kind of dug a little bit more going into – some of the beat writers and some of the guys who cover the team. And it just seemed like there was a prevailing belief that he was not planning on retiring at the end of the season. Right. And when you, when you bring that to the table and you make that part of it, 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 I think softens the blow big time because the idea that I think the image that people are hanging on to is that John the quick would um, have that moment where he does a lap around crypto and says bye to everyone and everyone just like, you know, releases all that emotion they have for him. But in reality, that was never going to happen. And there was it, that perfect moment was never going to come. Dustin Brown announced his retirement a month before or whatever it was. 
I don't remember, it was, but it was, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was a significant amount of time. Everyone knew his last game was going to be his whenever the Kings got eliminated from the playoffs. And quite frankly, even he didn't get that because he got a road game in Edmonton, game seven. Like, yes, in the handshakes, the Oilers gave him respect, great, but then he just skated off. Like, you know, like, it's never – I shouldn't say it's never because a couple of guys got it, but it's rarely – Yeah, it's not the Mike Madonna – skate around with a North Stars jersey, <laughs> you know? Yeah, even Mike Madonna, that's a great example, actually. He had to go to friggin' Detroit. Right. Like, he had to go play for the Red Wings, right? So, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. There's several guys like that. It just doesn't work out that way. The Messier goodbye, the Gretzky goodbye. Even Gretzky, like, did, should his goodbye have been in New York? Honestly, yeah. probably not. Yeah. But that's what happens. And I think what it comes down to is that we, it was never going to be perfect. It was never going to be that moment that Kings fans kind of dream about when a franchise legend retires. So even if he announced his retirement this season and the Kings uh, went to the playoffs, he was going to be on the bench for his last game. Most likely he should have been, I think that's, this is, so this is, you bring up a, so as upset as people got about this and as, as much as they extrapolated from that Saravalli tweet and everything, um, I contend that there was a lot of worse things that could have happened. I, I, so if you, if you go through with this trade somehow and you get Corpusalo without involving quick. Okay. Cause I think everyone could agree that the goaltending emerged as a, as a point of, of need in general. And maybe they still didn't feel like Cal was doing enough for him to come back up. They preferred to pursue an external option. Cal is certainly more difficult to trade. Um, so I contend that, and I've, and I've said this a couple times, that the only reason that Cal Peterson was still in the AHL was because of Jonathan Quick. Because it, it would be even worse if you decide that what you're going to do next is send Jonathan Quick down to Ontario for the sake of bringing Cal Peterson yeah. up or even not bringing Cal Peterson up for the sake of making room for Corpusalo or whoever you bring in. And then you're going to run a tandem of, of quick and <laughs> Peterson in the age. Dude, wild. you want to <laughs> talk crazy. embarrassing. You want to talk that that's like $10 million of goaltending on an AHL team. So I, I contend that there's a lot more embarrassing things that could have happened to him. He's fine. He's going to be fine. And we're fine. <laughs> Every, everyone's okay. Of course, everyone's okay. Um, I think the one thing that really came to mind at that time, it's funny, like I felt what I felt and I started reading some of the stuff on in the hockey sphere, what, what people were saying. And it's almost like they went so negative that I was like, okay, you guys are kind of going overboard here. And I right. started swinging the other way because it was just so crazy. Right. People shat on Dean Lombardi for being sentimental, for hanging on to guys too long, for not taking advantage of opportunities to buy guys out for giving people chances when they didn't. And it's the same people that are now shitting on Rob Blake for having the balls. And it is probably the ballsiest trade I've ever experienced as a Kings fan. Yeah. It, it, it takes a level of shrewdness and an understanding of the backlash that's going to come to you. He knew it. Of course he knew it. He's been there. He knows this fan base. He knows when 
you break their heart how they react to you yeah uh, exactly. no one no one knows better than him and for him to go ahead with the trade it that's the kind of gm you want man honestly like it's yeah it still sucks like it's still every time there's like a golden knights tweet with him it's like ah that doesn't look right but that's the kind of gm you want man that's the kind of gm that doesn't get fired if i'm being honest with you dude you want to it's obviously not the same thing but i think the general consensus is that steve eiserman for example is a is a pretty damn good gm right given what he was able to accomplish in tampa you know detroit he's kind of rebuilding steve eiserman went from signing uh signing dylan larkin to this mega deal and posting smiling photos of him at dylan larkin's house to immediately <laughs> getting rid of tyler bertuzzi and making dylan larkin cry the next day yeah you got to be cold man you, you got to do what you think is best for the team and if people are going to cry hell I, who's to say rob blake wasn't upset about it but you got to be able to separate that part of the person from the businessman. That's it. You you mentioned uh, people saying, well, you could have still done this trade and kept quick. No, <laughs> that yeah. is a flat, hard, absolutely not. It was literally the only way. Yeah. The only way they could have done this trade because you're not going to carry three goalies. And you're absolutely not going to send Jonathan Quick down to the exactly. minors. It's it just not going to happen, right? So you're, no one's taking Cal with his term. Right. Can't move that money out. And even if you did, again, it goes back to what are you going to do with Quick? You're right. not going to carry three. Are you going to send him down to the HL? You're not, you can't <laughs> you know? send him down. You're not going to send Copley down. He's look at his record. I mean, what kind of me- you're talking about sending a bad message to your to your team? What kind of message is that send sending this guy down so you could run Corpusalo quick? It's not. No, that's out of the question. I think for the team, for the GM, for everybody, that's out of the question to make that move. So no matter how you figure it, it was literally the only way to make this trade. And I heard people like say, "Well, after the some people told me like directly." They had 6.6 million in cap space. They didn't use it. Could have kept Quickie. Mm. No, no, <laughs> you could not have kept Quickie. It it was there was one path to get those yeah. two players. Now we can, we'll we'll talk about the actual trade and if those two players, from a hockey perspective, if it's a good trade, rentals and whatever. But to say that there's an avenue or an option for the Kings to get a defenseman and a goaltender and not trade Jonathan quick the other way. It just, I don't see any angle where it could have worked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, like I said, I, I keep coming back to the idea that this is a guy who wants to play. And as mean as it might seem to trade him away from the only team that he's ever played on, the fact is he was not going to play. They only played him when he had no other options. And they wanted to bring in a goaltender. If you bring in Corpusalo and you keep quick, it's there's no way he plays. There's just logistically and objectively, there's no way you can tell me that Jonathan Quick ends up being one of the top two options if you had Copley, Corpusalo, and Quick as your goaltenders. And so you would have to embarrass him one way or the other. At least this way, 
he's he's right back on the ice in net three days later getting a win that's it and and winning solves everything it he gets a win he's good kings get a great win some contributions from the new guys i think that's the solution to all of it and you want to talk about okay they're they're pure rentals they're this that that's fine your pathway to making them maybe not be pure rentals again goes through winning if the team wins they gel everyone's happy maybe they don't end up being pure rentals maybe they end up being at least one of those guys like you said likely corpus solo sticks around yeah i think um you have to i'm saying i use that loosely but you, i think you have to sign at least corpus solo um because of the, the state of your goaltending number one yeah and number two to kind of not to justify it or that you need to justify it, but it sure helps justify the trade a little bit more yeah um because then you're going to get a lot of the same kind of rhetoric on twitter in the hockey universe whatever is like you traded this guy for nothing yeah at the end of the day so i i fully fully believe rob blake is signing Jonas Corposalo at the end of the season, if not sooner. I know Gavrikov has, has said that he's he's set on testing the market, which is his right. But like you said, man, he, he's had nothing but glowing things to say about how the Kings treated him and his family upon arrival, setting up all their travel, setting up all their lodging, all that stuff. So you never know. Uh, these things, one series win for these guys, I don't, I don't, like it changes everything. I don't think Gavrikov. Of course has, it does. I know Corpy's won a series, but I don't know if if Gavrikov has. I got. You have to that. figure, and and again, I'm not. I, I'm not privy to how much other teams are going to offer him, and certainly money's going to you know going to be a factor here. But these guys are coming from a team that historically has been a failure when it comes to playoff success participation, all of those things. And it's difficult. And I know, you know, there's some question of like, oh, Gavrikov's underlying numbers are kind of average. I really, really find it difficult to read too much into those things when a team is horrifically bad. Like bad numbers on a bad team, you go, okay, it's tough for me to say how much it's the player, how much it's the team around him, especially in defensive positions. Corpusalo, on the other hand, has good numbers on a bad team. And so that's that's kind of optimistic, in my opinion. Again, I, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I'd seen much of you know Slava Gavrikov's game, but the two games that I've seen, I've have been pretty happy with what he is. He's just he's a solid second pairing left-hand defenseman. Pinches up appropriately, throws the body around. I haven't seen him thus far make any stupid reads or you know really risky plays well that's that's kind of what you want don't you i think it's probably a, a positive thing that we don't know a lot about him because that means right. he doesn't grab headlines better or worse right even if you like look up gavrikov highlights on youtube yeah. like there's just not a lot there like what are yeah. you going to show like him closing a gap really nicely like no one's really gonna, yeah exactly you know, no one's really going to make a highlight reel of him making good defensive decisions yeah, uh, it's that, it's that classic hand, Rob Scuderi uh, compliment. <laughs> if you don't notice him throughout the game, that means, that means he's done a great job. And that's the type of player he is. He is, to, to kind of bring it 
to a King's perspective, a, a Mitchell, Scuderi, Regeer-ish type player, quiet, but does his job and doesn't show up on the score sheet, but his teammates appreciate him. And if you're really dissecting the game, you'll find a lot to like. And apparently he's hilarious. He, dude, he was funny in the he was funny in the presser in the introductory presser, like cracking jokes, big smile. Like another thing is for both guys, people talking about what good attitudes they have and how they're both kind of characters. They're not like the type of guys who just come in and blend in the background. Yeah, you no, know, they're gonna have a voice. They're gonna have a presence, a positive presence on the room. So that's again, and the room thing. Listen, man, how many of these guys really are like? Best yeah. friends with John the Quick too. Yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, it's, a, it's a little. And I those guys, like, and those two that are left, are not the future of this team. I keep hearing about how it's there's a passing of the torch and all these things. Like, you know, maybe maybe that's okay. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. Yeah, I mentioned like this felt like truly an end of an era, right. more than the Brown thing, just because it's such a different position. It's not one of twelve. You know, it's just this constant in one position that you've seen for 14, 15 years, whatever it is. Yeah. So it, it I think it's a heavier blow to a fan base. I more than a team, I would say a fan base. And I, I I'm sure the Kings are going to miss him in the locker room. I'm sure he's a great leader. I know he's a great leader. He's proven it time and time again, but we have, we have leadership. I think we will be okay. And if, yeah. and I trust in Dowdy and Kopitar enough to, to believe that once the dust settles, they want to win, man. They're getting older. Kopi's getting older. He's still playing at a high level, of course, but right at, at this stage of their careers, like you got to put winning first. And I'm, and I'm have full confidence in both of them that that's exactly what they'll do. I think when you look at it from that perspective, these guys can realize that, well, if we have a better shot of winning one more time with these two here than, than John being here, it sucks that John can't be here, but that's okay. It's going to be nice to get another win if we if that happens. Yeah, full faith. Like I said, that they're going to figure this out pretty quickly. I mean, they looked pretty good. <laughs> they looked pretty good in the first game. Yeah. Um, that was Gavrikov's debut. Um, I forget who they played at. It feels like it's been uh, Montreal, St. Louis. Montreal was first, and then it was St. Louis. Montreal, right? There you go. Montreal. Yes, you're yeah. right. So Montreal was first, and then St. Louis is when Corpusalo got the game. Yeah. Kings looked fine both times. I think they were a little sloppy in the first period of that Montreal game. They didn't look Yeah, too a lot insane. of neutral zone garbage. Yeah, I think Montreal did a great job in kind of cracking the 1-3-1, giving the Kings fits. St. Louis game, I thought the Kings were getting chances, just getting stoned by Bennington, so... Um, I thought Corpusalo had a good game and, you know, breakaway goal on the uh, second one. And then on the first one, it's like what would be a routine kind of clear away by Kopitar just kind of bounces on him and Corpusalo still gets a piece, but yeah, that's the first goal he's ever allowed as a King. Okay. uh, Let's talk about the actual trade now. Sure. Um, Sure. How about, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Since, since Jacob Chikrin was kind of the name hmm. that for years had been bandied about now as the the primary target for the Kings, etc. Right off the bat, let me ask you, when you found out what Jacob Chikrin went to Ottawa for, 
did you feel like disappointed that the Kings didn't match that necessarily? And I'm not talking with regard to, oh, well, they got a goaltender too. I just mean like as a, as a defenseman, you know, would you have given up what they gave up to get Jake Chikrin? Would I have given up what Ottawa gave up? Correct. I think I would have. Yeah. However, I don't think that's what Ottawa wanted from the Kings. Uh, Arizona? Uh, Arizona, yes. Sorry. Yeah. I don't think that's what, that's what Arizona wanted from the Kings. And I think, yeah, because ultimately it came out that the Kings had offered some package consisting yes, of two firsts and Bjornfoot. Right, which is way better yeah. than what, what ended up. So I, I fully believe the Kings had that or something similar to that on the table with Arizona. I think the Kings pivoted when Arizona did whatever the hell they do over there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Kings pivoted. They got that trade done and the suitors for Chikrin just kept dropping like flies with every trade that came in. And I think someone brought up, might've been Elliot Friedman that like the major sticking point for Arizona was that they didn't want to salary take any salary. I don't, I don't see how the Kings wouldn't have taken that full salary. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Be a problem I don't at think all. retention was an issue with the Kings trade specifically. Right. So that means they were just holding out, thinking they would get something better, and they didn't. And I think the Kings had a way better offer than that on the table. The Kings pivoted. They did what they had to do, and they got a defenseman and a goaltender. So, not at all, man. I think that's on that's on Arizona, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not gonna sit here and badmouth the Kings and Rob Blake for, well, look what you could have done. Well, I, I assure you he tried at the very least. And he felt he gave the package that he was most comfortable with. And the rest is all up to Arizona. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, dissect or guess. Like, well, maybe it wasn't Bjornfoot and maybe they only offered a first and a second. I think it, there was a better offer on the table from the Kings. I mean, you don't scout the guy for two years. No, and good sources and, and said the not... deal was in place. Super Bowl yeah. weekend. Like, good yeah. dialed-in people said, like, this shit is happening or is about to happen. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm again, all this leads me to believe is that Arizona got cold feet, pulled once or twice, and the Kings just said, you know what? We got to go get our guys. So, good luck yep. to you. Yep. So not disappointed at all, man. I I would have loved. Listen, would have loved it. Would have loved it. But I'm pretty happy with what we have right now. Yeah, yeah, I am too. And I guess knowing that what they ended up getting for what they ended up giving up versus what they would have given up to get just Chikrin, and then still have to worry about the mm -hmm. goaltender aspect of things, um, I'm 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 pretty content with that. Right. Um, is it ideal that we got two unrestricted free agents yeah. for first rounder and a third rounder and, and quick? It's not perfect, but, and I think a lot of, that's a lot of the anger or disappointment that I've heard from King Santa is like, if you're going to rip our heart out, you know, at least get someone with term, at least get someone that you know is a part of this team's future. But again, it's never going to be perfect. And it's not, I think, I think their focus was to, was to fix those two holes as fast as possible. Yeah. Because the team is good. The West is wide open. There's no reason why now the way this team is built, we can't make noise in the playoffs. So 
yeah the rest will kind of figure itself out i suppose uh, i do i guess understand it a little bit that it would be nice to have someone with term you look at like the mccabe and lafferty trade you look at that right. you're like that would have been a little nice but i think needs wise the kings covered their needs i can't complain too much about it so i guess we also just talked about the trade <laughs> we just broke down the trade a little bit too so <laughs> yeah and uh i guess so just just digging in a little bit on corpus solo um he's had a long injury history uh which may or may not have been what was preventing him from being as effective as he has been this season his uh numbers at goaltending wise in terms of expected goals against etc have been much better this year after yeah. he had a couple hip procedures done it sounds like uh and again for a position like that it, it's very difficult for me to judge bad play on a bad team but when i see good play on a bad team that's encouraging to me because i know that the kings are a better defensive team i know that the kings can protect their goaltenders i know that the kings have a track record at this point of taking guys who are average or kind of plug and play goaltenders several times over and over again and making them into decent starting goaltenders i mean look around Jack Campbell left the Kings, became a starting goaltender. Um, Darcy Kemper, signed by the Kings, went off and became a starting goaltender, won a Stanley Cup ring eventually. So there's, they have something built within their system where they can take talented guys with the right defensive structure and the right coaching that they bring and maximize their ability. And I think the window is wide open Solo to be the starting goaltender for this team next year if that's what he wants to do listen I think Corpusalo is a starting goaltender in the NHL I think you look at his last two seasons like you mentioned the injuries <clears throat> before that he was routinely stealing games yeah this is a guy who could steal games by himself when he's dialed in or, or when he's locked into a game those other names you mentioned are more project type goalies yeah yeah, and I'm not saying, yeah, I understand why you brought him up. But my point is, like, this is not a guy you're trying to build into a number one goalie. I truly believe he has a number one goalie pedigree. Like, mm -hmm. and he's had it since day one. Um, look no further than what he did in the bubble. I know that was a while ago, but, like, he carried Columbus in that series against Toronto when they beat him. He, including setting the NHL record for most saves in a game with 85 he had dude he's stolen games um he's he's explosive he's people will see a lot of similarities similarities i think to jonathan quick in that when it's time to scramble mm -hmm. like he can scramble with the best of them and, i mean you saw you, just, it, you saw it yesterday I, yeah. I felt like you saw or not or whenever it was at this point but like i the 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 post-to-post -post movement very much there Explosive. Couple big toe saves yep. um couple you know initial save is made kind of scramble regroup control the rebound situations big guy obviously covers a lot of space in net i mean i i thought he was a pretty decent balance of fundamental positional goaltending and 
athleticism when you needed it. That's exactly what he is. That is exactly what he is. He's he's composed when it's time to be composed, but when it's time to just kind of throw everything to the wind and just rely on your re- reflexes and your compete, he's right there, man. He's right yeah. there. So I truly believe he's a number one goalie in the NHL when healthy. So you could do a lot worse. People are like, well, he's just another backup. He's not a backup. I heard that a lot. Like, we got a backup. We did not get a backup goaltender. Mm. We got a starting goaltender who just happened to have major hip issues for the last two years, and he's finally healthy. Yeah. That's why he put up those numbers he did this season with, yeah. like you said, a, on a pretty shitty team. So, yeah. One thing I will say about Corpusalo, I think he's the type of goalie that needs to play a lot. Um, I think he's the type of goalie that needs to get into a rhythm. I don't know if this like 1A, 1B shit's going to fly with him. Mm-hmm. Just to get, just to maximize his talent and his ability, I think he's going to have to just be the guy. And my one just small concern is like, are the Kings aware of that? I'm sure they are. But will they implement that more than anything? And I, and I, it's going to be hard because Phoenix Copley's obviously, some would argue, rescued the season. And his record is tremendous, and he continues to win, like mm-hmm. you know, when he's out there. So I am curious about how they're going to handle that. Um, I hope, if it was up to me, I would give him the net. Straight up from like here, that, huh? Straight up, yeah, I would give him the net from here on out because Phoenix Copley is not the future of this team, and you could argue that neither is Corpusalo because he's not under contract. But yeah, I think if you make that commitment you also almost force yourself to be like okay Mm -hmm. this is the guy and i think that's who i would go with man i think i would Mm. just be like dude it's your net like you're healthy your numbers are good you could steal a game or two like sorry phoenix don't ben bishop the situation (laughs) no i would not do it at all man i would just i would just be like it's your net like as soon as he won this game i would use that as an opportunity like well he won we're going to throw him right back in there and just let him go until he, you know, until you have a reason to put him out of the cage. Yeah. So that's, that's how I, I hope. I mean, it's handled, so I could, I could see, hard. I could see Copley playing against Washington, given his history with the team, et cetera. So whether that falls back into the one, a one B pattern, I don't know. Um, you know, looking at the, the schedule for the next six, seven games, uh, the Islanders and Colorado are really the only two teams that are in playoff position coming up. The rest of them easier, relatively speaking. So hopefully a chance there for them to get acclimated with the systems, the breakouts and all those things, which you could make a reasonable argument is not that important for a goaltender to be aware of, more so important for, for a defenseman, but still important still important of course um yeah i don't know i mean i I think i think it would be a reasonable the problem is playoff time right no one does 1a 1b playoff time absolutely you got to pick one man yeah and that's who i would pick there's no question in my mind who i would pick in the playoffs. exactly one of those guys has a ridiculous playoff game to his name has one amazing playoff run to his name and the other one does not. Right. That's, it's, it's as simple as that. 
Um, he's only played, Corpus Allo has, I believe, nine playoff games. I got to double check this. Um, yeah, he's played nine playoff games. You want to hear his numbers? Sure. 1.90 goals against. Nasty. 0.94 save percentage. <laughs> Come on. Who are you going to play, bro? It's Jonathan Quick-esque. It's 2012 Jonathan. It's nine games. Granted. Yeah. Granted. But it's nine more than Phoenix Copley has. But it's nine games against quality opponents in right, a quality Tampa, situation. Right? I forget. Uh, Tampa's in there. Um, and Toronto. I'm pretty sure they swept Toronto. I forget if it was the year. Didn't they sweep Tampa before I'm, the bubble uh, oh, year? You know what? Here, let me bring it up. No. So in 20, so he's played one playoff year. It was in the bubble. Uh-huh. He is against Toronto. So they didn't sweep Toronto, but they beat him 4-1. And he was in net for three of the wins and the one loss. Yeah, he couldn't have been in, in the bubble against – well, he couldn't have beaten Tampa because Tampa won in the bubble. Correct. So Tampa beat them four games to one, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was in net for all five. It was game one against Tampa where they lost, where he faced 88 shots, made 85 saves. Mm. In, a, in a game where he faced 88 shots, his save percentage was .96. Um. So it's a one playoff year, but it's a hell of a run. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's experience that Phoenix Copley, God bless him. He's saved this team in a lot of ways, but it's experience that he doesn't have. And you didn't go out and get this guy to back up Phoenix Copley in the playoffs. That's it's, it's plain and simple. So if you're planning on doing that, if you're planning on him being your playoff goaltender, then I think you're you're well, you know, right on track that you should give this guy 70% of the starts going forward or something like that to get him ready for that performance that you're expecting of him. Yep, I'm on board with that. Yeah. As I made it very clear. Yeah. So pretty clear where we're on. Or where we're at with Corpusalo. With Gavrikov, look, man, him and Roy last game defensively were basically a wall. Yep. In terms of the advanced stats. Um hands down the best pairing on the ice for either team. I know it's a pure shutdown type pairing, but I think, man, I would not like I put them out against I'm comfortable putting them out against anyone. Oh hell yeah. Just it's, as comfortable as I would be with Dowdy Anderson. And I expect those two pairings would get a lot of minutes in the playoffs. I mean, that's like that's like 45 minutes of your, <laughs> right. of your, of your game time right there. Right. And you're talking about three guys. Three of those guys are – all four of them are premier penalty killers, really. Yeah. Um, Dowdy's the guy you see on the power play. So that's a lot of ice time, man, for those guys. And I would – it's going to be a tough matchup for a lot of teams. And then hopefully, in theory, you slot Dursey to the right side mm-hmm. and you pair him up with, I guess, Edler. I don't know if that's your third pairing. I guess so. Uh, Sean Dursey seems like right or left. He's going to make the Sean Dursey plays. <laughs> it doesn't matter which side he's on. I mean, it's, 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 it is who he is. Yeah. Like, 
you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad yeah with John, absolutely. right right or left but i think he's better suited for the third pair and just give him that power play time where he's excellent man i just, he is excellent i gotta he's better than Jowdy on the power play i i kind of agree with that i actually definitely agree with that i would put him on pp1 like immediately he has good vision he's, he's got vision and he's not just looking to make the big shot Dowdy's play now on the power play is wiggle a little bit on the line okay maybe there's a lane all right big shot that's 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 the drew dowdy play now if he's really making a play jersey can dance a little bit on the line can can find maybe a cross seam pass that i don't really see drew making anymore these days um definitely less that's for yeah sure. i think i think jersey is is a bit of an engine on that second power play unit so and that's okay that's that's perfectly fine i mean you you accept that that he is that kind of player that he's valuable to the team in that way you can point out his plus minus but he's putting out tons of points on the power play so i think you you accept that and you run with it uh so yeah not a lot of deep dive into the gavrikov thing except that you you need a guy like that when you're playing top offenses, he is not fleet of foot. He's he's kind of a big lumbering kind of guy, but the one thing he has to his advantage is obviously his positioning and his reach. Mm-hmm. Two things that could take away time and space without foot speed. Yeah. Um, I assume he wouldn't fare too well against the Oilers, but we know why, and we know that there aren't too many defensemen who can in the world. Right. right. It's like Kale McCarr, Victor Hedman, yeah, I don't know, the Dougie Hamiltons, the Charlie McAvoys of the world. I mean, you, you got maybe five guys who can, Skate who can with them. play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's about it. And that's okay. Gavrikov is also a big-time shot blocker. Eats pucks. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Um, little, little bit of other additional goaltending news. little side trade the Kings actually made to get uh, – Goaltending prospect Eric Portillo Love that from, one. from the Buffalo Sabres for another third round pick. Sneaky little move. I like it. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this. He's a big kid playing at University of Michigan, has USHL experience. I, I, I love these trades. I, I, I love, love little I trades was, like this, man. That really amped me up because it's like coming right after yep. that, that trade where like everyone's like, who are goaltending or our, our legacy goalie and you're like wait a minute we just in like 15 or 16 hours basically we re, like rebuilt our goaltending yeah i mean it's it's only two goalies but those are two big acquisitions in that especially with the king's pipeline we can go on and on about it like cal peterson obviously is in limbo right now and past him you have matt Villalta who has good numbers but just for whatever reason, hasn't gotten any opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> there may be a couple of reasons, but the main reason is gone. <laughs> right yeah, now. exactly. But, but what I mean is, like, they could have given him the given him a nod when they sent Cal down, right? Like, they could have been like, right. "Okay, let's try him before we try." Yeah, Copley. I'm look at this point again. The Kings' track record with goaltending the last decade or so 
is good enough where I trust that if they're not seeing what they think they need to be seeing from, from Matt Volta, and clearly you could just look at this season, right? Like when they first called the Phoenix Copley, all of us were just like, wow, really? The guy that we just kind of picked off the scrap heap and look at him go. So, so I have, I have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt that at least when it comes to goaltending, they know what they're doing. And of course, there's going to be the naysayers who go, yeah, but what about Cal? Do they know what they were doing there? It's like, dude, Cal looked great the first season that he came up. There's a reason he got that contract is because everyone was like, yeah, look at him go. He's going to be that dude. Why it slipped off? There's a lot of possible reasons. But even if you look at his AHL numbers right now, I think they look pretty damn good. I think it positions him very well to come into training camp, barring any injuries this year to the other two goaltenders, to come into training camp in the summer and battle Copley for the second spot if Corpusalo is resigned. I'm assuming Corpusalo is resigned, but like, I, I, I don't think, do I think Cal Peterson is the heir apparent anymore? Clearly not. But do I think Cal Peterson is trash and needs to be relegated to the AHL for the rest of his life? No. I don't think that's that's the case either. Yeah, I. It's tough to, I I still have a lot of faith in Cal Peterson. Um, I just wonder. He needs to play NHL games for me to see it, right? Like that's yeah. what it comes down to. AHL's yeah. great and all, and there's been games where he struggled in the AHL too. His numbers look okay, uh, but I think, I hope that there is some kind of fire that's burning because you need that. And we, you, when you have a setback like that, like there's only one way and that's just to work through it. Yeah. And it seems like he is. So that's a good sign, but got to come back up. Got to have a good preseason. Like you said, really challenge Copley. I mean, re- realistically, man, like the Kings don't want Copley. I mean, it's great that they have him, but it's not like they're like, you know, thank God. And like, let's hold on to him forever. What they yeah. want is for Cal Peterson to, to emerge as a full-time NHL. Like, that's what they want more exactly. than anything. They could very easily keep signing Copley to one-year deals until the wheels fall off, but they don't want that because yeah. that's not, a, you know, you want the guy you invested in. It's not just about the contract either. I think it's about the potential. I think they want him to meet that potential because at his best, he should be better than Phoenix Copley. I agree. I agree. And the contract that they signed Copley to is exactly that kind of commitment. It's it's a soft commitment that makes you comfortable that if you end up sending this guy down to the AHL, you don't feel like you're, you know, oh man, we blew so much money on this guy and right, now he's playing right. AHL minutes. It's very much a, we're, we're comfortable paying him this much, whether he's playing up or down. It doesn't matter either way. Uh, yeah, and Eric Portillo, a giant of a man, six foot six out of Sweden. Yep starting goaltender for the University of Michigan. He was sensational in their fo- Frozen Four loss. Like he was, that was a great team. That was a stacked team. Don't get me wrong, but he really pulled his weight. Like he was, many people say their best player in that tournament in the losing effort. So that's obviously very promising. He seems like he has a good head on his shoulders, very mature. Like I think <laughs> four times in, in that, in his uh interview or whatever he was quoted as saying 
like you know it's just a business move to go to la like it's mm-hmm. he, he used the word business like four or five times not mm-hmm. surprising he's uh, i think he's a business major he's very into his education i think from all indications everything i've read like he is already preparing for a life after hockey or a life that runs parallel to his hockey life which is tremendous for a young person um and i think right after the trade he also mentioned how excited he is to go to a place where he could get a starting job as a pro right away and i think that's probably going to happen next season again all depending on if cal peterson a lot of that obviously needs to be worked out but there's no reason why he can't be starting in the ahl next season for the kings now, obviously, they still have his rights. They haven't signed him yet, but... Correct. We're assuming, based on right. quotes, based on enthusiasm, right. you don't give up a third rounder and not... Like, I just think it's in the bag. Yeah, and, and his agent is is Pat Brisson, who's who he himself said is How good friends convenient. with... How <laughs> convenient. good friends is. with Rob Blake. I mean, there's there's enough connections here, and there's enough of a path here, I think, for him to slide immediately into an AHL starting position and work his way potentially into an NHL spot that he felt like that was a better move for him than, than in Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo um, is very crowded. Um, they have, uh, I, don't, I hope I'm not pronouncing his name, but it's, it's, it's either Levi or Levy. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also have uh, Uka Pekka Lukanen, mm-hmm. who's very wow, that, good. I know, right? I couldn't I'm, say I'm very impressed that that's the one that you got. And- <laughs> right. Uh, but it's, you got two guys in the minors right now and yeah. no one t- like no one's taking their spot right so it's a long road ahead for him in buffalo i think he realized that his agent realized that um much more wide open in the la system i think he'll sign i think if you're a business-minded person i think you going from buffalo to la is probably very exciting a lot of <laughs> a lot of things you could do here that you can't do there so just yeah. everything seems to be lining up that the Kings would probably sign him right away. So yeah. I'm not I'm not too stressed about that. Um, great add to the Kings goalie pipeline. Desperately needed. People call him one of the top 10 goalie prospects in the world right now. And then you'll read other things where like, well, he's a project and he still needs to figure things out. I'll take the middle ground on that one. No problem. Um, yeah. I think it's a very shrewd, smart pickup for the Kings. And I'm excited I'm, for him. I'm a, I'm a big fan of college like late college free agent ish or about to be free agent ish prospect signings because i think that's where this team is at now if you if you for example i've i've lamented the kings not taking jesper wallstead even though clearly i i love brent clark but i've lamented the idea of them not taking jesper wallstead um but even if you took Jesper Wallstead, you would have to develop him into your NHL goaltender, right? Like you would need three, four years AHL time, gradually work him in backup, et cetera. But if you get a slightly more mature goaltender who's played, you know, certain numbers of minutes, I think you can accelerate that process a bit more than what the Kings would have to do with, okay, now we got to draft a goaltender next year. Okay, he's, you know, we don't know what we have with him. You know what you have with this guy. You have a much clearer idea where this guy is in his development curve and what you can do with him than if you draft a goalie straight out of the draft and have to work with them and bring them up to that level. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, get, it's like drafting a kid at 22 
Yeah. Except he's been developed in college. Sabres, I'm sure, goaltending. Look, say what you want about the Sabres, but obviously they're churning out NHL goaltenders at this point. Right, right. Um, so he's got that going for him. Now he gets to hear a different voice. Another organization that has developed goaltenders very well, fixed a lot of goaltenders. So I agree, man. I think it, it's almost like you drafted him and developed yeah. him. And yeah. now he's, all, he's ready to become a pro. So that's, that's huge for the time frame the Kings are in right now in terms yeah. of their goaltending. Yeah. Um, and definitely softened the blow on quick. I think it, it just re, reinforced the fact that this is about the team and not about an individual. Because when you go back-to-back moves like that, you get a bigger picture of like, okay, where is our team at now yeah. at all stages of the pros? Yes. And it like nails the message. And I think yeah. it, it really helped with that. So great move. I was almost excited for that one as I was for, for getting Corpus Allo and his I, potential I agree. as a healthy I agree. goaltender. I agree. I think, I think both of them were, were solid, solid moves for a position that suddenly emerged as as one of need. I mean, within one season, really, like you thought Cal was going to be the guy that didn't end up. And all of a sudden in one season, you had to revamp everything. I think he did a pretty damn good job. If you're, if you're kind of looking at it. Yeah. You can't look at this and not like what's happened in the goaltending department. Right. If you just right. take emotion out of it, really. If right. Man. Okay. So right. we got through that. It wasn't so bad. <laughs> um, other trades. Should we even talk about this, Brendan Lemieux? No, <laughs> I, I Zach McEwen. Whatever. Like those are Austin Wagner happy trails. Brendan Lemieux. Thanks for the random face washes and penalties you took. Yeah. Um, I just overall thoughts on Brendan Lemieux. I'll just say. It's not my cup of tea, man. From day one, I, I I complimented him when he was good for that little stretch last season. Right. But overall, just I just didn't work for me. He was not a physical player. Everyone said physicality element. All these these words <laughs> that they used. Yeah. I I maintain that the only time I saw him be physical is after whistles, just kind of mixing it up and agitating and stuff like that. Didn't really see him throw a big hit. Didn't really see him strong in on the forecheck. He was floating most of the time from my perspective um so whatever we'll see if McEwen gets games i don't know what kind of opponent you're going to play him against like this is not you know 1995 anymore hmm. like, it's not like well they have a heavyweight so we need to put in a heavyweight because yeah. the heavyweights need to, <laughs> to square up like especially in the playoffs he's probably not going to see a, a shred of ice time so yeah um other big trades around the league uh new jersey big winners of the timo meyer sweepstakes that's a dangerous team man man the east is so nasty the east is a different animal altogether they were just like the trades that happen in the east alone are just mind-blowing on so many levels the the maple leafs just rebuilt their whole team yeah in two weeks boston getting orlov from washington and him going as they're calling him banana. Bobby Orlov at the moment. <laughs> he went banana. <laughs> As Luke Rovers, I would say. Um, and then, yeah, Tyler, they throw in Tyler Bertuzzi just for funsies. Just, just because team, they probably man. looked around, they're like, well, everyone else is doing it. Yeah. Just a nasty, nasty team. God. Nothing. 
you look at their schedule and stuff and you look at some of the spots there and like three and four a back-to-back you're like okay this is where they lose right and they're up like four nothing in the first period they're just on a different level right now the Bruins. they really are they really are i mean it's like i i fully here's the thing the west i agree is wide open i think it's gonna be awesome to kind of see it i fully expect the east to win the cup i fully expect that to be boston just because they just it's tough, it's tough not to man like they have a plus 105 goal differential it's it's the same vibe that you were getting <laughs> with colorado Christ. last year right like they were just like we're we're just gonna be animals oh my god i i'm sorry i that goal differential just registered <laughs> it's, it's just stupid right <laughs> like i read it and it registered five seconds later <laughs> good uh... lord who's second carolina plus 57 that's the second best it's crazy man my god it's crazy they're just they're just an insane team they really are they really really are oh man in every aspect there's not a weakness to them they're four lines deep six defense hell their backup goaltender is better than most starting (laughs) goaltenders it's crazy absolutely crazy they have of their eight losses six have been on the road and they're 23 and six on the road just they're, nuts they're 26 two and three at uh the td garden <laughs> that's insane man absolutely just, insane it's just a nasty nasty team and whoever Oof. emerges from the east is going to be bloody and broken <laughs> and imagine being one of these wild card teams and you're just like dude because it's tight it's, it's like, extremely tight. There's like one spot, really, maybe two for the taking. Washington is like. Oh, Washington full on gave up, man. Washington was but just, I'm saying like Washington's fifth from the bottom in the east. Right. And they're three points out. Of the well, they have the same so. number of points as Ottawa does. And Ottawa was like, we're going for it. Buffalo <laughs> Double too. down. Buffalo too. So Buffalo, Ottawa, Florida, Washington, all at 68. Yep man all fighting for the right to get shit stomped to yeah curb stomped by the boston bruins have fun boys the east is crazy because it's like the toronto tampa matchup has been set for how long now yeah like no one's like (laughs) i mean tampa's sliding but i you know they still have a seven point lead on the islanders yeah so looks like that's going to be the first round matchup there the rangers will always be ranging or whatever <laughs> i don't know what the word is they've built fantasy hockey like their 12th super team since i've been alive um well they had in 2014 what they have st louis nash yeah uh, richards. brad richards just another loaded ass super team the next year they got dan boyle just for fun like let's just keep adding um so they've added tarasenko and kane <laughs> to their offense uh and they're zero and two since kane's been on board i believe so <laughs> yeah lessons sometimes are not learned yeah the west though the west the is west, right that's where we play that's where we play yes so i'm not saying that the kings have an inside track here but it is so close between them dallas 
Minnesota, Vegas. I mean, it's it, it could break a particular way where the Kings could win the division. The Kings could even be the first seed in the West. Yep. It, it really could just go any way here. And they have Calgary. Of, yeah. Uh, strength of schedule for sure. Yeah. And Calgary. Calgary is such a, a flaming tire clown fire at this point that they've That's somehow insane. fallen behind Nashville, who full on sold off everything in the deadline. And they have two wins in a row. I mean, it is it's crazy. <sighs> they're just they're just so bad. Like so so whatever risk there might have been to the Kings potentially losing a playoff spot here with with Calgary or someone else coming up for oh, yeah, the Pacific, it's all but diminished. It's it's gone. It's yeah. it's pretty much done. Like now the question is: Are they going to be a wild card team, or are they going to be a, a a top three seed right. at this point? That is essentially what it's going to come down to right. because they have. Oh boy, uh, they have a twelve point lead on Nashville. Mm-hmm. Who's the closest threat to a wild wild card spot? So. Yeah, so we're we're good. I we're can't remember okay. the last time I have felt this comfortable that the Kings have a playoff spot. Agreed, locked man. Up. Agreed. It's it's all but locked at this point. They're yeah. in the high nineties percentage wise. Yeah. But yeah, the Oilers, they could very well take uh, one of the top three spots fairly quickly if things go their way. Their goaltending is still in shambles. Uh, Jack Campbell alone lost them the game against uh i believe it was winnipeg seven to five their last game yeah single-handedly cost them the game it's just terrible you hate so to now, see that so now they got to go to Stuart skinner who they were going to anyway yeah um but i mean he, he needs four goals forward just to, <laughs> to give you a chance and they can i mean they can, yeah, they they can provide all. that i mean that's what absolutely. the oilers do absolutely like, they, they could do that but i mean I don't know, man. Yeah. The Kings probably have right now, just with the injuries to Vegas. Right. Probably the best offense outside of Edmonton in the Pacific. Yeah. I mean, Seattle has slowed down. They're not on that same level of a tear as they were at the beginning of the year. Um, Edmonton is still very much Edmonton. Vegas, tons of injuries, now relying on a combo of, of Aiden Hill and uh and jonathan quick and goal and they just lost will Carrier for yes undisclosed amount of time i mean that's what i'm saying i guess i look at i look at these teams and i look at the shifts that happened with the trade deadline and i look at the pieces that were added and subtracted etc i feel that the kings are a better team now than they were a week ago by virtue of swapping quick out for corpus solo and finally adding a second pairing left-hand defenseman and now they're hitting a very soft part of their schedule i think i saw this at one point they had like the second weakest remaining schedule there was them in seattle i think they yeah. had the second week so it's like it, it, would it shock me in any way if they start rattling off like if they go six and one in the next seven games or something like that like not really I think there's there's a shot here. I'm I'm not doesn't make a difference to me. I'm not necessarily, but like that'd be kind of cool. I wouldn't mind winning a division once. Yeah, it hasn't happened since 1990. Yeah. So there so, you go. And they have they have 420 goal scorers. Gabe Velarde joining joining that crew. Love that and, guy. And just 
beautiful fashion. <laughs> what a beast. They're very close to having five 20 goal scorers, which that would be the first time since 2010, 2011, I think, since that's happened. Yeah. I think we, we did this, we, we played this game last season. Yeah. When, uh, who was creeping up on 20? I think it was Kaliev. I could take a look. Uh, Kaliev, I think, had he not been hurt, would have been very close this year too, but he, he fell off bad after getting hurt and et cetera. But yeah, yeah. You want to talk some Gabe Velarde? Just I always want to talk Gabe Velarde. Because we've been, we've been on the Gabe train since day one. Never yeah, sorry, sorry, before I, I just want to finish my thought. Victor Arvidsson's at 18 goals at the moment. If he gets it's two possible. more, the Kings, that's five. That's five. And Phil Deneau's at 15. It's kind of tough, especially with the way he's been playing recently. But What's five Kaliev goal? at? Yeah. What's Kaliev at? Uh, Kaliev is at 11. Yeah, so he's not going to hit it. Yeah, um, it's too far. Gabe Velarde. Amazing. Just needs to be a top six forward as soon as possible. It's not going to happen this season, obviously. Um, I don't even know if it'll happen next season, but I think right around the time that Victor Arvidsson mm-hmm. <laughs> is going to be a free agent, I think that's when the Kings are going to be like, okay, well, now we're comfortable letting you walk, Mr. Arvidsson, because we need to give your money to our new top six forward. What an animal. Like, how many people... And we had our, you know, we had moments where we were like, we just hope he, he gets healthy. We just hope he makes his way back. But there was a lot of writing off going on with this guy. And he just hit 20 goals. He just came off a nine-game injury. Came back, had one game where he figured it out. And now he has goals in three straight. And they're not just, oh, oh he no. went off his butt. No. Like, every single one of them is like, a, oh, my. <laughs> There is there is some talent, dude. That that Winnipeg goal. Oh yeah. With the stick lift, moving in on Hellebuck, and going roof, to tie the game, and then Kings eventually win that one, in the shootout, I believe. What a stupendous play that is, and I think, I think we're all starting to realize that he's actually quite defensively sound as well, which is a nice little. Yeah, nice little neat little cherry on top, but that is a that is a just such a nice play. That's a game breaking play. Oh, hundred percent. Goes in alone, creates the turnover. Goes in on one of the top five goalies in the world, and just makes them look silly short side. I, that's his shot, I think. And I think we've talked about this before, me and you. But coming out of the draft, like no one was talking about his shot. Everyone was right. kind of talking about he's a playmaker, like very high IQ hands. His skating's bad. Like that's all you heard. But his shot, man, is like an all world wrist shot. It is devastating how hard yeah. this guy shoots the puck, how quick he releases the puck. And you're seeing it like almost like every few games you're seeing that wrist shot. Yeah. And how goalies like it's hitting the twine and then the goalie's like throwing his arm up. Like, yeah. What the hell just happened? So that's such a dimension that I, I didn't know he had such a great dimension to his game. You know, so. what's great is though it's not you, he doesn't even have to be in close to get it off. Like he no, a lot he of his goals, them, if you yeah, they're they're like mid face off dot and upper. 
And that's hard, man. That is hard to get a quick release, accurate, hard shot through traffic most of the time from that position. And most of his, like, he's got a lot of goals that are like that. And then when he's in tight, like, he can, he can stick handle in a phone booth. That goal on Bennington is like... <laughs> yeah, it was revolting. I mean, I think even Bennington was vomited on himself after it uh, happened. He looked so broken. His head was he, down. Dude, <laughs> like, I looked so He's just like, come on. <laughs> All I could think of, it, he was probably just like, I hate this fucking team. Oh, my you know God. It was great. Like, the play before, like, right before, he... It was similar in that he yeah. dished it to Kopitar, and yes. it was almost it was almost a slam dunk. Yeah. So knowing that he fakes the pass, and Bennington flies, of course. That's right. And it just, just a little gamesmanship, like a high IQ play. Yeah. And he's and, against... and now he's developing like that clutch thing mm-hmm. where you need that man. He's scoring big goals, like game yep. winners. Like he's got five. He leads the team in game winning goals. And and the Winnipeg one doesn't even count. But I know. It was such a clutch goal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the in the in tight play is great too, because it's just that one against Bennington's great. But then you look at the one he had in Montreal, where I think a lesser player would have just swiped at that puck the first chance that they had, yeah. but he had the wherewithal to kind of body block the other guy out and wait for that puck to get into a better position where he knew he could lift it you can't teach that man you just can't that's just instinct and he just looks so happy every time he scores he just he's 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 amped i think he knows now that like okay i'm he's he's confident as hell like i I swear man i watched him on the power play and i'm like why give him more touches like he just doesn't get touches it's all perimeter and he has to clean up the garbage most of the time around the net and i know you got like studs everywhere like you can't tell fiala like hey man why don't you go in front of the net and take it's crazy to me how good this power play is oh yeah because i've just i'm so used to the kings just having this like terrible perimeter power play and all of a sudden this year jim hiller comes in and it's like all right guys have fun out there they're like (laughs) we're allowed to we can do that yeah, it's like first order of business, Kopitar off the half wall. And everyone's like, What? <laughs> it's like, yeah, sir, look who we you have. mean the half wall? Do you mean <laughs> He's like, Yeah, we have Fiala and Kempe on both sides. So we don't need you there anymore, big guy. Yeah. Why don't you just stay in the middle and score goals? Probably He's took been Kopitar hell two too, man. two weeks to figure out like what do these words mean. Yeah. I mean, Kopitar, four-goal game. What are you going to say? Like, he just... God. And he made everything look so easy. Yeah. Just easy stuff. Just floating around, scoring some goals. Easy league. No problem. (laughs) Crazy. They're they're humming right now, man. They're humming. You know, Byfield's doing great on that top line. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got to talk about Byfield a little bit. Byfield is kind of figuring some stuff out right now. And you could tell every game... Things are clicking for him. I think he's learning how to be a pro, man. He's he's making great little plays. He's not getting rewarded all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this play he made in that Montreal game that really, really impressed me. It was that little touch. To Grunstrom? Uh, to Grunstrom that I think it was offside. Yeah. But it was like a hard pass on the boards, and he just kind of finessed the puck on a – he just redirected it and it was like a perfect saucer to to Grunstrom on the what would have been a breakaway. 
I was so impressed with that little play. I was like, okay, he's showing you now. Like, these are the things I could do now that I'm confident, now that I know that I, I'm contributing, I'm on the top line. Totally different player than he was in the beginning. Not passive, not scared. Understanding that, oh, I'm a giant. <laughs> and, like, I may not be as strong as I will be in two years, but I yeah. can still go in there. His board work is outstanding. Like, complete night and day difference. He's battling, creating turnover. How many... T- how many times has he gone in on the forecheck and just come out with the puck? Yeah. You, you did not see that before. Getting assists like that, like creating the turnover, making a play, really big contributor to that first line. I think I think I wouldn't touch that line. Uh, like I hope he's okay. He got he got dinged up a little bit in the head. Seems like he is. Yeah. But he's you, you watch him and you're like, okay, like there's an explosion coming at some point. Maybe not this year. But it's coming. Yeah. Imagine another summer where he's like, I'm dedicating myself to like getting stronger and and yada 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 and yeah. coming into camp next year. I, man, all these guys drafted as centers. <laughs> like now we're loaded on the wing. Hopefully one of them stays a center because <laughs> they need one at least. But um I think you've seen a very similar trajectory potentially with him as you are with Velarde. Like Velarde this season, he's doing a lot of things that we weren't before, not just confidence with the puck, but away from the puck as well. I've commented a couple times to you, like when we're watching these games, like, man, that's a big hit he just threw. Like he right. he he wanted that guy to feel, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to forecheck and that's what I got to do. It was, it was literally, I'm going to go through this guy. I'm going to try to dislodge this puck. And uh, I agree Byfield needs to get stronger. I think he still gets knocked off the puck a little too easy for a guy his size. I think his center of gravity is just not – it's the way he skates and everything. Like he's kind of hunched over as we've talked about. And so I think it makes it easier for him to get knocked off. So I think he can get a little wider at his base. And and lower, it's going to give him a lot more control and ability to to create the plays that he wants to. Um, like you said, he's not getting rewarded necessarily with goals, but the passing, the passing is, is really starting to shine through. Um, the pass that he gave to Kopitar, I want to say it was in the Montreal game. It was beautiful pass. It started with strong forecheck between him and Kempe off the boards, fished the puck out from behind the net. Great pass to Kopi for the goal. Kopi obviously taking a split second to kind of drag the puck back a little bit, give himself a better angle. Um, and then, of course, the the flip pass to Kempe, putting it into space. The lob. Just L- living up to his name, throwing bombs downfield. There you go. Baby. There you go. So it's just, I think, those little things, like you mentioned, it's all kind of coming together at the right time for this team. They just need to just keep hitting on all cylinders. and. I don't know what's going to happen once they get a little healthier. Trevor Moore is still. Yeah, I was going to say if you're Trevor Moore and you're watching yeah. these boys dance around the ice like so. I mean, it's weird because suddenly Kevin Fiala is kind of the odd man out because that line doesn't seem to work with Fiala. Arvidsson works with Fiala, but Deneau doesn't seem to work. Yeah. And so I feel like their their inclination is going to be to put Moore back up there. Um, 
And I like the Aya follow Velarde combination. I think that's that's working well. Lazat is okay. He wouldn't be my first choice for a 3C, but you can't play Fiala at center. You're not right. going to slot Velarde at center. So uh, I don't know where you put Kevin Fiala, which is a crazy <laughs> thing to say. It is pretty wild. I mean, in an ideal world, I would I would put him with Velarde, and then I would just sit back and I don't know. Right, and that was my first thought: is like I would love to see him with Velarde. A lot of these problems would be solved if Velarde was just a center. I know, and this right? is what I, you go. Or, you go. I follow Velarde, Fiala. Make one of them figure out how to play the right side. It's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, that's a good. Like, I'd be happy with that. Or if Byfield was center, and then you could, or Byfield, you could, sure. Slot Ayafalo on the top line if you needed to, and but like, yeah, yeah. Provided they were playing still at the level they're playing right, at, and right, right, right. But my my point is that like, it's what about Kevin? <laughs> what about our leaning score? <laughs> what are we gonna do with him? <laughs> Crazy shit. That's <laughs> because I'm serious. Like if Trevor Moore is completely more healthy right now, like where are you gonna put Kevin Fiala? <laughs> oh man. Wasn't he on the fourth line when at one point he was? was it was like, yeah. fuck, what do we do? I guess we'll put him on Calia. <laughs> Can you imagine they like make the lines and they go, shit, we forgot Fiala again. <laughs> exactly. Ah, all right, all right, damn it. <laughs> Crazy man. We have too yeah. many wingers. We've said this how long? <laughs> like, it's too many goddamn wingers. Yeah. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't know what to do anymore. It'll work out, but it's just it's just a funny thought. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with Kevin Fiala. It's very funny. I, I wonder if they'll just be like, hey, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you feel like playing center in the playoffs? <laughs> Remember when you used to take face-offs? <laughs> the thing with Fiala is like, you know, in the old, old school of hockey is like, okay, if you're a left winger, you play the left side and you attack. He just, that fucking guy just weaving all over the place. Oh, so it doesn't really even matter anymore. Yeah. What, like, he's just going east-west, like, whatever floats his boat because he's that skilled. I wonder if, like, that would jive with Velarde at center. It's, I don't see why not. I don't know. But, They'll have to figure something out. Because I, I get the sense that, like, Phil Deneau really misses Trevor Moore. I mean, he looks like he misses Trevor Moore. <laughs> Arvidsson's having a ball out there. Arvidsson's like, this is great. Like, we're, we're throwing like 60-foot cross, cross yeah. ice fucking saucer passes. It's a whole Nashville reunion thing going on. Yeah, They're all about it. Meanwhile, Phil Dino's like skating third man in. Going, all right, guys, just going straight to the structure. net. <laughs> I need structure. What the hell? <laughs> this isn't pond hockey. Sacre bleu. <laughs> Why is he skating backwards behind the net? I don't understand. Uh, what I'm going to do is put it on my backhand, go backwards towards the slot. That's right. <laughs> Good Lord. But yeah, hopefully uh, I, I, they have to figure it out. I mean, what do you... I, honestly, I wouldn't... If, if you're going to try one of these guys at centered, I believe now is the time to do it. I mean, yeah. With the yeah. soft schedule. like Yeah. I think I, think I would be like... I would try Velarde at center. He's working hard. Like he's, he's in a groove. I know you don't want to break up his mojo, but 
but he's making that mojo. You know what I mean? Like he's give him two games. Yeah, just put him there. Two games. See what happens. Yeah. Put Fiala on the right side. He'll end up in the left. Whatever. The skate just into Ayafal. I mean, I mean that would be the ideal, right? Like I, if you end absolutely, up, dude. If that happens, because then you got saying, Lazat on the fourth line, which is where he should be, and that elevates that line because he's right. such a tenacious player. Right. You got Grunstrom and Kaliev down there. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes the most sense. It really does make because I I think QB's a little. You still got to protect QB. Yeah. More than you got to protect Velarde now. I agree. I agree. I think you 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 don't want to mess with that. It's working well. The other two guys are benefiting from it as well. The confidence is building. You leave him there. You figure it out in the summertime if you if you can get him back to go to center. But like for the rest of this season, what are you gonna do? I guess you could drop by a follow, but that kind of sucks. <laughs> Like you could drop by a follow and go. Yeah, but Lazat's still your. Laz- I know, I know, but Lazat's like, still your three C. Like that's. I know, just... but the faceoffs and stuff—that's the problem. Like you need someone who could take a draw. If you if you go, I follow Velarde, Fiala, Fiala. Like you're just assuming you're going to win like twenty five percent of the draws, basically. What is Velarde's faceoff percentage? Oh, I don't know. How many is he even taken this year? Is he, is he even well, taking very little, draws? very few. But I mean, we still it's still a stat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Let me see here. Um, 44%. Okay. He's taken over 100 face-offs. All right. Or close to 100 face-offs. His first season, he was 53%. He's, he's, only, gone, he's only dropped since then. So he's a, he's a 40%, 45% yeah. guy. Yeah. It's not great. It's uh, No, it's not great. Especially yeah. that's a guy you want on offensive zone starts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, I think logically what they're going to do is drop Ayafala to the fourth line and put Fiala, Lazat, Hey, listen, Lazat's a 50% guy. Career. Yeah. Like every season, 50%. So it's not like he's got a huge edge. Well, I mean, 6%, you know, that, that makes a difference. Of course. It's, sure. Sure breaking even versus losing yeah we'll good see stuff. man good stuff good, good problems gonna, to have i suppose it's gonna be a fun stretch run honestly pretty stress-free for once hopefully we get to actually hopefully. just yes let's cruise just cruise have a good time you know maybe win a division banner why not let's just have some fun it's great episode 95 oof it's easy. There, are there any? No, there are not. <laughs> Great. What can we talk about? Ninety-five. It well, a good year in King's history, a rather bad one, I would say. Yeah, you can King's talk history. about Ray Ferraro. How about that? Chicken parm. From maybe some we, Kevin. We Stevens usually action. Uh, we usually go with who's best the best. Ninety-five. Yeah. Who is the best ninety-five of all time? You're not gonna like it. Is it Morozov? <laughs> no. Wow, that was the one that you remembered, huh? That's crazy. Uh, you said I'm not going to like it. Nope. Do I not like this player? Correct. You, there's something fundamentally you hate about this player. I'm so lost. Nashville. Oh, God. Matt <laughs> Duchesne. There it is. What a stupid number. 
He's statistically the best number 95 ever. But he's only worn it how long? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess it up. doesn't matter if he's still the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for a season. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I am not a fan of Matt Duchesne. You, you have expressed this. This thought has been... Yeah, because he was he was nine in Colorado and then ninety five yes. since he's been in Nashville. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, he went. He had a pit stop in Ottawa, didn't he? Uh, he, he probably wore ninety five there. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Yeah, ninety five in Ottawa as well. Alrighty then. Uh, <clears throat> this is not the Matt Duchesne. No, episode. I refuse. No episode will ever be the Matt Duchesne episode. Since we've skipped seventy, should we give it to? Actually, we, we've well, we didn't skip set. We've no. we've done seventy. We've done eighty-four already. So, right, but there was no other set. Well, Pearson. So I'm sure we gave that episode ten or Pearson. So we can't yeah. we can't do that retroactively. No, no, no. It's not cool, man. No, no. I'm not saying retroactively, but I'm trying to figure out if we're just going to give this to someone. Who do we give it to? I would give it to Gabe Velarde personally. Well, he's going to get his. Sure, but <laughs> is one enough? <laughs> All right, we got to think about something with the number 95. All right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to look up the 1995 LA Kings roster. There we go. Now we're cooking, baby. Byron Defoe. Oof. This is even, I think, before we got Rick Tockett. Uh, what? Okay, here we go. Yeah, Gretzky, 48 and 48. No, Tockett was on the team. Oh, he was. Okay. Yep. Okay, so that's the season we got Tockett then. Yes. That's the season we traded Robitaille. That's uh, the season. Jesse this was Cohen the cried. this was the abbreviated season though. Ninety four, ninety five was abbreviated. Yeah. Yeah. But Yeah, and that carried over in a... anyway, Dan Quinn had thirty one points Dan in forty four games. My God. Yeah. Some names on here, man. Seriously, Curry, Granado, Sador, McSorley. Yeah, this was like the last, the last hurrah. The the last hurrah for all those guys. Um, they traded Luke. Um, so that was a big gut punch. Yeah, I hope, I hope Jesse's not listening. <laughs> he did not take kindly to that trade. Polly um, Jacks was on this team, baby. That's the, that's the Polly Jacks team. Man. That's Polly Jack's team, baby. I, doesn't Polly Jack's have an episode already? We can't do that. He does. He does. <laughs> I can't believe that shit's real. Oh my god. Do we give Polly Jack's two episodes? That would be. That'd be insulting. Incredibly to the sad. Uh, incredibly sad. Um, I'm looking at the roster now. We got to pick somebody. You know what? Goaltending seems to be a thing this episode. I'd like okay. to remember Jamie Storr. <laughs> He's going to get his. rookie season. What do you mean? Well, we're going to go back to those numbers. We're going to go back to once we do episode okay, one first of all, and stuff. Episode one, it will not be the Jamie Storr episode. <laughs> I assure you. Mario Lassard alone fine. is significantly better than Jamie Storr. All right, fine. Fine. We'll give you it to Jamie only played five Storr. games. No, we can't do it. We only played five games. Who was their starter? Oh my God, Grant Fuhr. Grant, yeah. No, Rudy was still. It was. I think they were back and they split it. So games played. Rudy played thirty-five. Mm-hmm. 
And since episode 32 will not be the Kelly Rudy episode ever. You know what, man? Kelly Rudy. I think this is the season he might have busted out the Hollywood mask already. You want to give it to Rudy? Rudy's I think on I want duty. To give it to Rudy. Yeah, All right. He's on duty for this one. Kelly Rudy from the ether. Did not expect this. <laughs> but you talk about quick Corpusalo, Eric Portillo. I think Kelly Rudy deserves this one. Yep. There you have it. All right. Unexpected, but here we are. Big win. Big win for Kelly Rudy. Whew, that was a long one. Put a, put a lot of work into that. You seem exhausted. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't record for a month. That's okay. And, and and the last two weeks have felt like three months. So yeah, that was this is a wild one. But the next two should be nice, nice and relaxing. Sit back, Kings fans, enjoy, participate on Twitter with us, won't you? Listen to the pod, catch up on some episodes, review, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Follow us. We're trying to get to a thousand. We're dude. I I. To all those who are listening, by the way, we appreciate all of the new followers we have, we've kind of gained in this whirlwind of a week. Um, you've brought us up to 900. It is quite an accomplishment for us. I mean, I don't think we ever really thought that was, that was ever the goal, but apparently 900 of you like to hear our random gibberish, and that's incredibly flattering. So thank you for that. Uh, I don't, I'd be very shocked if we made it to a thousand by the end of the season that would be crazy or would it depends it on was... how long that playoff run is baby. that's right that's right let's let's not rule anything out let's put it that way all right go kings go you've been listening to the bannerman an la kings podcast